CoinWorld Plus is your new way to collect. Manage your inventory, digitally authenticate coins, create your want list, buy and sell coins, and much more. Learn more about CoinWorld Plus at CoinWorldPlus.com or download the app now at Google Play or the App Store. Welcome to the CoinWorld Podcast with your host, Jeff Stark. And as I've said from day one of this show, this is a big tent hobby. There's a lot of room for folks. And Larry Jewett. And learning has been such a tremendous amount of this journey. The Coin World Podcast. I can't believe I'm actually doing this. I can't believe I'm about to say the words that I've been waiting to say for such a long time. And it has been way too long in my mind. Welcome to the Coin World Podcast. I'm Larry Jewett. And and I'm let me think here. Am I I'm Jeff Stark, I think. I think that's how this goes. Uh it's we're we're so uh rusty and out of practice on this. It has been something like three months or so since we were last gathered here. But uh boy, have we been waiting for this since the last time and we are excited to be back and hope that uh you're here along for the ride. Uh, hopefully we didn't leave anyone behind in, in taking this little summer hiatus. Um, but we're, and, and we, it may take a little while for us to get back into the groove, but uh, hang with us because we are ready to get back to it every week. And what we want to really say first off, before we start into some explanation of what happened here, is how much we appreciate the support that's been given by those of you who reached out to us to tell us that you missed the podcast, to say that you hope that it comes back and and to spread the word and uh, just kind of, you know, it, it was important to us. And it actually proved to be very important to us because it was we were able to make sure that uh, everybody understood just how important the Coin World podcast is in the grand scheme of things. You loyal listeners who've been there for the previous 165 episodes that we had, uh, you know, you stepped up and said, yes, this is something that helps. Uh, we appreciate the fact that you provide this for us. And so, you know, with the uh, support of folks in the past, like Amos Advantage, Coin World Plus, we've been able to go on and uh, we're, we're going to continue to go on right now. We thank you First of all, the reason why we do this is to educate and to inform and uh, keep everybody enthusiastic about this big tent hobby. I'm, I get to be the first one to get it in the second chapter here. So, you know, there you have it. Steal your thunder. But, uh, you know, so, I mean, it, we've been very, very busy and we're going to be detailing that. But we are going to have the elements that you expect. We're going to be looking back at this week in numismatic history. We're going to be taking a trip back into the 60-plus years of Coin World to take a look at a special edition. We're going to have our trivia question there, and because as a kind of gift to you, we're going to we're going to pull it back a little bit, give you a chance to get one for one. I mean, you can't have a perfect score until you get the first one right. So we're going to have that opportunity right here. But, uh, Jeff, it's really so good for us to get back in the groove here right now. So I, I hope that we're able to knock some of that rust out. I just read a story about the Tin Man in uh, The Wizard of Oz and how everybody says it must have been fun to do that. And it's like, if you can imagine spending eight hours a day in that costume, I don't imagine it was that kind of fun. We have fun what we do. Well, well as I remember with the Tin Man, uh, Buddy Ebsen was allergic, right? Or, or yes. was allergic. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, so um, hopefully, 
Clearly, we're not allergic to the microphone here. We've we've been so uh, we've been away from it so far, but uh, but boy, it's been a busy summer. I think since the last time we uh, we gathered here, I've been to London and I've been to Boston. I've been, um, uh, you know. Uh, Washington, D.C. My gosh, I got to go see the National Numismatic Collection behind the scenes. That was a trip. That was great. Um, you know, I kind of feel like Johnny Cash. I've been everywhere, man. But uh, um, I'm, I'm back here. We're back here. Um, what have you been up to, Larry? I, I think you've been uh, singularly focused um, uh, this summer, and uh, that maybe gets into um, – you know some of uh, some of why we were on uh, hiatus. Yeah, I mean it's the idea that uh, you know you've got projects that come along, and uh, just so you know, it was Hank Snow who sang "I've Been Everywhere," but uh, uh, you know, not Johnny Cash. I just well, Johnny Cash did sing it. Okay, fine, that's it. But Hank Snow did the original, so but, <laughs> yeah. that predates nineteen sixty anyway. But uh, before we get into what we've been doing, just a little bit of an explanation. There's been some personnel changes. There's been some uh, some things that came along that uh, uh, actually compounded along the process and made the return a little bit a uh, little bit more difficult. But while we didn't, uh, we weren't just sitting there going, okay, it's time to record the podcast. We're going to do nothing. I mean, we still have the obligations going on each week with the Coin World Weekly and trying to uh, give you the best information we could through that vehicle that we have and have had for quite some time. And of course, our Coin World Monthly that comes out on big issues had a uh, cover story uh, during the time. It was in the July issue where we uh, did a story on the American flag on coins. So I spent a lot of time researching that one. Uh, but at the same time, Chris, Chris Bullfinch had the story about the American flag on currency. So we were both uh, contributing on that one. We were comparing notes and kind of getting what we wanted to say out there. Uh, you know, the big thing for me was, and we'll go ahead and get this out there right now, it's going to be exciting for me and I'm sure exciting for a lot of folks coming up in uh, the beginning of September on uh, local newsstands. We're going to have a Coin World Special Edition called the Coin World Annual. And uh, that's been several months in, in process and trying to get that uh, corralled and really think that's going to be a very special um, annual tradition. So we're, we're kind of kickstarting the annual. Coin World has been known for doing special editions like Dealer Directory. We did the uh, most influential last year, of which this served as the basis for the Coin World Annual. And uh, so that's been uh, consuming a lot of the time here. Did manage to find a couple of days to go join our friends over at the uh, Florida United Numismatics or Numismatist uh, group over there at the Orlando show and saw quite a few people. Pretty busy the first couple of days. Wish I could have spent more time over there. I certainly spent enough money over there getting uh, the things that the wife is interested in. She's got some collecting interests now. And uh, I was fortunate enough to chance upon the uh, at the Collectorama show in Lakeland. I was fortunate enough to chance upon a very special uh, Black Eagle note, which uh, with a very, very low serial number. And it was very attractive to me. Uh, he actually had three things that were attractive and he sold two of them before we could get together again at the uh, Orlando show. And uh, this note, this uh, silver certificate, this uh, Black Eagle note, is serial number 56, and that's a pretty uh, significant low number to me. 
And uh, so that's now in my mm. possession, and I'm, I'm pleased to have that. We've had some world currency and, uh, and you know, some uh, older silver certificates, but uh, this was uh, a, a trophy for me, and I'm, I'm very fortunate to have that one. I've got it at a place where the kids can't see it. So that is really cool. And, um, you know, <clears throat> I did get to go to the fun show as well and uh, got a few things there. I think the, the neatest uh, latest acquisition for me was uh, just uh, in the last couple weeks, I went to an antique sh- uh, store here in St. Louis and got a, a medal from a German festival like 140 years ago in, in St. Louis and uh, St. Louis, very uh, German town, lots of, lots of German settlers, uh, immigrants here back in the day. And uh, so that was kind of fun. You know, it's, it's um, as neat as your black Eagle note is, and especially because of the serial number, um, you know, black Eagle notes are abundant, right? You know, there, if, if I wanted a black Eagle note, I could just, you know, throw a dart, on the the floor here at ANA this week and you know odds are a few tries I could land on somebody who has one uh something about metals though when you talk about something that's so rare that there might only be you know what 50 or 100 of these out there who knows um and especially you know being 140 years old or whatever it is and, and having a local history element um, that to me is, is what is exciting. I also got a, a die for a uh, Masonic token for St. Louis and uh, bought that on eBay. And that's kind of cool because, you know, now I can start making my own products. <laughs> <laughs> like you have the time for that, you know? <laughs> Well, and you know, when you touched upon that with the metal, and I mean, there, there's a lot of things out there. I've, I've put in some unsuccessful bids on some tokens that I had some interest into too, because, you know, here again, this is not something that uh, just because I got my great black eagle notes, cool to me, not as cool as somebody else who has zero interest in paper, you know, but somebody who's interested in, in metals, they, certainly they're interested in what you were able to find. And, and that's what's great about this. And, and being at the ANA at the World's Fair of Money and uh, knowing we're going to see some of our friends from the Tokens and Metals Society, knowing we're going to see, uh, you know, all the, all the different organizations that gather there. Uh, the uh, Primitive Money Society is going to be there once again. Got a chance to meet them last year. And, and just the idea of, you just like my wife's idea, is she just collects whatever's cool. I mean, she's moved on a little bit from elephants, but I just have to say, I mean, I enjoy taking her to the show because she gets excited when she finds a location that has tubs and tubs of world coins. And I know I can go off for a couple of hours and do what I need to do while she's busy looking for uh, whatever particular fancy she has that time. I didn't bring her to uh, Rosemont because uh, yeah, I have to take her home. So, you know, it's just the idea that, uh, you know, there's there's so much out there. And we, in the past three months, we've been able to enhance. And so I certainly hope that a lot of you have been able to enhance all, all the things we're hearing about the markets, despite the economic uncertainties, that everything seems to be trending in a positive direction for those of us who have an interest in that area. So it, it's good to know, you know, collectors collect. That's what we do. And, uh, you know, it's just we've seen where some collectors 
uh, of a level which I'll never attain have uh, divested themselves of some of their prized possessions. And, uh, you know, in fact, we're going to be talking a little bit later on about a very, very prized coin as we get into the uh, looking back at coin world history, because I think that there's a lot to be done right there. And, you know, we talked earlier about the idea that uh, we had some personnel changes and some changes in direction. And uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't point out here that uh, we have had the pleasure of having Chris Bullfinch return to the staff. Chris, however, has left the staff. He is still a friend of the podcast. He is still in numismatics. He is still very much uh, involved in it. And so those of you in the hobby are still going to see Chris very much. But uh, he has chosen to go away from the editorial staff that uh, we want to wish him well right here. And same with uh, our producer, Brian Hertel. Brian has uh, moved to a different position one that's certainly going to be utilizing his talents. And, and we thank them for what they've done in the past for the podcast. Never say never. You never know. We might have them back. We thought we lost Chris a couple of years ago, and then we were able to get him back here for a while. So and we'll see what happens as we the uncertainty of what's going to be happening with the podcast, with numismatics in general, just kind of right there. But we want to thank those two gentlemen uh, for their past services. Uh, we've had, you know, the, the opportunity to... Uh, steal their talents for a while and now we we move on to a different direction so i want to thank yeah. them for the work that they've done and and absolutely i want to echo that i mean uh brian and chris and i from the beginning were um you know sort of carrying the mantle for the podcast and it was it would not have happened without brian uh, and his his dedication to the technological side and making sure Chris and I had what we needed. And uh, those episodes early on would not have happened without Chris's um, studiousness and willingness to do the research and coordinate with so many of the guests and try to come up with uh, probing questions and, and different takes on things. And uh, we're we're certainly we were the better for uh, having worked with them, and uh, it's um, it's tough to see them go. But I know that um, you know they're they're uh, charting new paths, and and it's a good thing. You always want to uh, when you have when you work with friends, you always want them uh, to succeed in the best way, and these changes their new direction is uh, going to allow that. Uh, the good news is at least in regards to Chris's, we think we still have him nailed down to write in coin world. So that's, that's a good thing. Cause uh, you know, he, like I say, brought, brings a studiousness and a, and a, a care for presenting the story and, and delving into some of the topics with, um, a word you don't hear enough, and and forgive me if I mispronounce it because I've only ever read it. But alacrity, he's he's um, you know he just has a deftness with some of the topics, and uh, like myself, is an inveterate book lover and numismatic bibliophile, and um, so good good for them, uh, Chris and Brian. Uh, we salute you and thank you, and we'll miss you, but. Uh, we carry on, and hopefully, um, you know, we'll we'll do them proud and and honor their time here uh, going forward. So, um, 
Go, and speaking of going forward here. We're going to go back. No, no wait, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> okay, we're not okay. going to go back. We're just going to say that we are in the process of, now that we have the podcast kind of back up on its feet again, we are in the process of arranging for a number of guests that we're going to be lining up for you. I know many of you have appreciated the fact that we've been able to bring along some of the uh, top names in numismatics. And we're in the process now. And what better time than uh, the time of the ANA World's Fair of Money to start lining up some of these guests to come back in here too. So we're uh, we're excited about the future of the podcast in terms of uh, what the guests are. Right now, we don't have any guests yet, but uh, we wanted to make sure we could get this done and lay this foundation before. So let's go ahead and look back now. What do you think about that? Hey, yeah. Um, you know, I, one of the things uh, I always loved about the podcast and missed was the chance to go look at this week in numismatic history and this week in coin world history to see what was going on. So tell me what was happening happening in numismatics uh, this week uh, in the past, and, and how does that maybe relate to what's going on today, or what lessons are there for today? Uh, what kind of fun is there to be had in exploring that? Well, a couple of things that stood out, but there were many. I mean, there were so many that it was tough to choose them, and I just kind of wanted to go – a little bit of an unusual route with this first one. It actually doesn't go back all that far. It goes back to 2006, and it was noted that on the date of August 15th of 2006, in the uh, Coin World Weekly Edition, you could find a letter there from a, uh, and I didn't catch the name of the writer of the letter, and I'm going to research that eventually, but uh, this letter writer included a phrase in his letter the American Buffalo gold coin has all the eye appeal of a boil. And I looked at that and I went, are you kidding me? Are you, I mean, you know, we all say about eye appeal and how much it means to us. We, you know, agree or disagree on just, I go back to one of the episodes we had where I wasn't necessarily in love with the obverse of the American women quarter dollars that we see. And, you know, it's just like, but you've got to understand that's a classic that goes back to the 1930s. And, you know, it's just like once you start, you know, giving it a little bit of, you get used to it too. It's just because we went all those years with the other portrait of George Washington on there, you kind of got there. And so here you can't on one hand advocate for a design change. And on the other hand, when they make a design change, be so super critical about it because they gave you what you wanted. They just didn't give it to you exactly what you wanted. So I was never raised to be the one to expect perfection. So just the idea of, you know, I think that it was a little too harsh to call the American Buffalo gold coin the eye appeal of a boil. I've seen more than my share of boils in its days. You, sir, are not a boil, but, uh, you know, just the idea that, Somebody hey, had that kind of an opinion. I think the design is great. And, uh, you know, you talked about asking for new designs and then being uh, upset about it. What's the, the old saying about, you know, um, be you careful know, what you wish for? Yeah, exactly. That, um, that it's, it's, uh, the show's already, you know, got me flustered here. And in, in my first comeback, hopefully you'll, uh, you'll, uh, be generous and graceful uh, listeners. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, the design is so subjective and, you know, for instance, on on the um, state quarter program, I happen to like the simplicity and um, you know, just 
just the austereness of the Wyoming state quarter with that outline of the bucking Bronco rider and all that. And some people think it's horrible. But you know what? Sometimes we're going to agree. We might think that the Florida quarter is too busy of a design, or we might like, you know, the same, the same design, uh, but we're going to have disagreements and that's okay. You know, there's, um, I, you know, I think about growing up in the hobby a little bit in the mid nineties, when I first started picking up a coin world, there had not been any design change other than the bicentennial coinage, uh, going back to 1964, right? I mean, you have, you know, the, the JFK half then, but Washington quarter, 1932, Lincoln sent 1909. Okay. You can say the wheat design 1959, but you know, we had years and years of stasis of unchanging designs, except for that bicentennial series, I'll admit. And then all of a sudden in 1999, we unleashed two decades plus of continuous cha- uh, design changes. The only denomination circulating denomination that hasn't uh, had a design change is the dime. You know, you've had the, the 2009 uh, Lincoln sense. You had four different designs there. You had four different uh, designs for the, the five cent coin with uh, Jefferson, Louisiana purchase uh, and all that, you know, the, the, um, uh, Lewis and Clark expedition. And then you got, you've got different portraits of, of Jefferson coming back. Uh, you know, we've had multiple series now of quarters. That's, that's the workhorse. We've had native American dollars. We've had presidential dollars. Okay. Innovation dollars don't count because that's collector oriented, but <laughs> you know, somebody growing up in the hobby today, they only know constant design change. Somebody growing up in the hobby, you know, uh, somewhere between my age and Larry's age, they had nothing almost. So, you know, you, you can have nothing or you can have constant change. Maybe we'll, we'll hit that sweet spot, the equilibrium, but you know, it could be worse. It could, I mean, I, I love the design of Swiss coins. Don't get me wrong, but they like basically haven't changed in circulation other than some uh, commemorative five franc coins for like 150 years. The same thing, the same thing. I mean, I, I sort through Swiss coinage and you can find an 1888 dated coin that looks like the coin that's in circulation today, design wise. That's mm-hmm. nuts. So, you know, what would you rather have? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, I just, I would love to know, you know, you're talking about the state quarter program and the design changes and all that. I'd love to know what the, uh, what the coins look like for Puerto Rico from 2009. Cause I don't have either one of those, the P or the D for my collection. Sure. I can see it in the, in the red book, but I mean, just, yeah. The idea, and I get your point about that, because with the changes that came in 1999, that really sparked a lot of, because you have different looks now. I mean, it's to the point now where every quarter, I kind of set the dimes aside, and every time I get a quarter in change, I look at it. And interestingly, in the last seven days, I've gotten, I think, maybe a dozen quarters in change. I hate those places, give me two dimes and a nickel. But anyway, the uh, quarters I've got, I've gotten two bicentennial quarters in change in the last week. Two coins that are 46 years old, and yet I can't get a 2009 Puerto Rico? Come on. 
Huh. That's crazy. I, you know, there, but again, 2008, 2009, lower mintage circulating coins. There was the, the whole, um, you know, economic meltdown happening then there, you know, some of those, some of those circulating coins, you know, not special designs like the quarter you say, but you know, they're tough. You don't see them, but but gosh darn it, grab a handful of change and you're going to find a 1964 nickel in it. <laughs> I mean, because they just made so many of them uh, and uh, they're, you know, they're just still out there. So yep. who knows? You're right. But- you're right about that. I mean, I mean, because <laughs> when we found that we did find a 64 here in the last couple of weeks because, you you know, you look at the dates, is that a 64 or an 84? And you just kind of get the idea there. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, one other item that I wanted to talk about happened on, uh, it was mentioned about August 17th, and it deals with the uh, ANA convention. Now, back then, uh, before 1977, I think it was, that there was only one convention for the ANA. There wasn't a, a national money show and the World's Fair of Money. But uh, this convention happened, it was in 1946. It was significant because, number one, it there was no convention in 45 because of the uh, because of the war, and uh, that would be the last time there would be no convention until the pandemic arrived in 2020. But this coin convention in 1946 was held in Davenport, Iowa. And this, you know, there were a lot of times when some of the smaller communities, it was in Omaha once, you know, there were a few times where a place you don't think of, like a Chicago and New York, uh, a Philadelphia, Los Angeles, I mean, it's just. 1946, it was in Davenport, Iowa, and I'm sure there are a lot of collectors in the Quad Cities area that having the show come to their backyard was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the the ANA for for all the people that complain about this, that, or the other with it, um, you know, back in the day, uh, pre, you know, before I was born, before you were born, uh, in some respects. I mean, thanks for that. Well, some of it is, you know, it's not speaking to your age. It's speaking to how things have changed with the A and A. That's that's all I'm saying. You know, they, okay. they the the show did move around a lot more, and you know, I understand. We, I mean, we had Larry Shepard on the show. He explained why they, you know, the A and A because he was the one as you know that sort of spearheaded this idea of of them you know using chicago as an anchor but then occasionally you know we they've moved around to anaheim or uh philadelphia or wherever you know uh my first day in a was 2003 and then in baltimore and then it was in baltimore again i want to say in 2008 um you know, it hasn't been back to Baltimore since then. Well, you know, we have the Baltimore shows there, so it's not, you know, the town is not wanting for a big coin show, but uh, the ANA did in different times have the ability, uh, the flexibility uh, to move around more than it does now, just from a logistics and cost and and all that standpoint. So, um, you know, it's it's funny, uh, that first ANA show, Little did I know what would unfold for me personally, professionally, but it was kind of a big deal in the hobby. 2003 Baltimore, what happened there? Well, uh, you know, it turns out that this week in Coin World history dovetails nicely because the August 18th issue uh, tells the story 
Uh, the story that is, uh, you know, there's there's a book out there about it, Million Dollar Nickels. Well, what what happened in in Baltimore? It was the homecoming of all five Liberty Head nickels from 1913, including the quote unquote missing one, the George O. Walton specimen. Um, this is the coin that stacks in the 1960s after Walton's crash. Um, Stack said this was an altered date. Uh, George Walton, famous North Carolina collector, and certainly we've talked about the 1913 nickel here before. Um, you know, he would carry this coin around in a special holder and take it to coin shows, certainly uh, across the Carolinas and to uh, a lesser extent around the South, and uh, show people his, his pride and joy. And uh, he was in a car crash in 1962, and the, the thankfully the coin was recovered. Uh, he was, I believe, fine in the in the crash, but um, you know, it was the coin was off the radar of the hobby until 2003. You're talking what 41 years, and give or take, and there was a big push that summer. I think uh, PCGS had. Um, ran a, a a program or a you know a, a they were promoting this this idea of hey let's find the missing nickel and let's reunite them in Baltimore and uh th- they put a bounty out they offered a bounty and i want to say um one of the auction companies offered a bounty if they could be the company to sell it and it you know it was just it turned to this into this huge thing and it all happened at my first A and A. I mean, it's how auspicious. How, I mean, you, you, I was just a dumb kid, basically. I mean, yeah, I was twenty five or whatever, but I had never been to an A and A. I had been to maybe two coin shows in my life at this point, um, and I was interested in the hobby and was eager to learn and all that. But I was out of my depth. I mean, I just, I didn't belong in one sense. And, uh, you know, to have that be your first day and a, then you kind of get, oh, this is what happens every year. <laughs> you know, I mean, yes, there's been some years that have been really, really amazing. The 1933 nickels, I'm sorry, 1933 gold $20 coins been on display. Uh, you know, there's some other rarities, different, um, colonial Americana stuff put on display. Uh, but in 2003, it was it was big doings, and it was all over the cover of this August 18th, 2003 issue. The the story about the coin being found, the experts that authenticated it. We've had two of those experts on the podcast, uh, Mark Borkert and Jeff Garrett, and a lot of the names of those experts. You you know you'll see them in the Coin World Annual uh, coming out in a couple weeks because of their, um, you know, their, their stature in the hobby. And, and they've been doing this for a long time. It was, it was just fun when I, I thought about, okay, we're returning to the podcast. What's, you know, we got to pick a co- this week in coin world history. Why don't I go back to my first day and a, cause we're here at the A and a this week and we're making a, you know, return, uh, we're coming back into the, into this. And uh, so that's, that was uh, fortuitous for me. Uh, I really did not plan it. 
uh, this way. And uh, it worked out. It's fun, fun story, fun to see. Uh, of course, the story of the 1913 nickel is in Million Dollar Nickels, the book, uh, which is in my library. Can uh, Cannot recommend that enough. Um, so, yeah, that, that was fun. Nice. Now, on the letters, we had one that was stood out to me, and it says, I just received my 2003 silver proof set from the U.S. Mint. I read the coin composition certification card that comes with the set and was surprised to read that the dime and the half dollar are copper nickel clad and composed of 8.33% nickel and the balance copper. My previous sets were composed of 90% silver and 10% copper. I became concerned that the Mint had changed the dime and the half dollar contents. I had not received any notice by the Mint or in your weekly about this. I also received the Mint's advertisement on the same day, which said the dime and half dollar are 90% silver. What's going on? Has the Mint secretly changed the content of the two coins or just screwed up the certification card? Is this another Bush administration attempt to slip a fast one by an unsuspecting public or simply incompetence? The letter from Stanley Jackalow of New York. And there is an editor's note that goes along with that. It says, Coin World began receiving reports of the mistaken certificate or authenticity almost as soon as readers began receiving their sets. By law, all dimes, quarter dollars, and dollars in the silver proof set must be made of 90% silver. So it seems likely that the certificate contains the wrong information. Our story on that mistake appears on page 24. Things happen. Yep. So there you have it. That's all it was. A lot of editor responses on a lot of these letters, which no longer hold any kind of uh, time value there. So I think we just kind of go with the one this time. And kind of take it from there, because it's always interesting to read some of these back issues and see, you know, how often history repeats itself. And wasn't a single letter in there from 2003 that predates the American Buffalo ugly as a boil thing. So I think (laughs) I'm going to use that uh, later on today. I'm going to say to somebody, you're as ugly as a 2006 American Buffalo gold coin. So (laughs) 2001, right? Yeah. Yeah. 2000. Yeah. Uh, or, the, you know, what, you're talking was, about the silver dollar or the gold, the commemorative or the gold bullion? Yeah, the gold bullion coin. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, anyway. That's, that's, I'm assuming that's what the, uh, was cited in the, uh, the column there. But anyway, so, uh, you know, one of the things I, I, there are many things that I have missed. And uh, I appreciate you mentioning once again about the Coin World Annual, knowing that that's coming up here. And there are many, many people in there. And again, I want to thank you for your contribution to the Coin World Annual. And I encourage those of you who acquire the Coin World Annual, you got to find your way to the World Coin Showcase. That uh, a lot of this was an effort, uh, a team effort here. Jeff stepped up in a big, big way to help us get a look at some of these unique world coins that are out there that sometimes fly under the radar. We talked earlier about design changes in U.S. coins, and uh, some of these uh, other countries have the luxury of having coins that are not round or have color more often to them, or in some cases, they're uh, more than just flat. So, you know, it's just not going to give it up, not going to tell anybody anything that... uh, it might uh, be out of school here, but, uh, you know, to pick up that issue and uh, check out the World Coin Showcase. And for that, I thank you. So, uh, Well, hey, you're, you're welcome. And my gosh, it was uh, fun to do. And it was nice to see 
have another venue to uh, showcase no pun intended world coins uh, since you know the the space for that is uh, on the week weekly basis is limited and um, you know my <laughs> my minor contributions were uh, but a grain of sand in the Sahara compared to the the work that you did so uh, you know um, but you know what but, you did but you're welcome you, you know what you did here though. Because once that issue comes out, then I'm going to start a new collection. My objective is to get all the coins that were pictured in the World Showcase into my collection. So huh. that's going to be my quest. And some of them were extremely low mintage. So good yes. luck with that. <laughs> yeah, you know, there, there's, there's, hey, there's all sorts of ways to collect. There's some people collect the uh, Coin of the Year winners. Some people, you know, you can... Uh, I mean, I I have a, a local friend here who she says she just collects pretty coins. She likes flowers and other things on them, and and you know it, it doesn't matter how you're doing it, as long as you're having fun. You know, hey, uh, that's you know you've said it. I we say it always at the top of the show. Big Ten hobby, uh, you know, to each their own. I mean, it, it's there's no right or wrong way to do this. As long as you're having fun and you're not uh, mortgaging the house to do it. <laughs> yep, that's it right there. But one of the things I've missed, and uh, I, I think many of our readers have as well, is the challenge you put forth with us on the uh, Coin World podcast with a trivia question. Now, I, I kind of hinted in the beginning that maybe we'll give them an easy one to start off things with. And I, and I hope that you caught my hint right there, hoping that uh, you don't throw something at me here that's going to really stress me. I'm already looking up alacrity, I think it was. I'm trying to find my dictionary. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I don't want to look up this answer, but I want to see what you got to give me. Well, um, I, you know, easy is relative, right? I mean, um, you know, it's... Um, I, I, you know, I think it's easy. So, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, in an honor of the ANA, we're we're back th there at the show this week, and um, you know, it's in Rosemont, which I always I jokingly call that Chicago-ish. You know, it's not Chicago proper, but it's it's Chicago in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but you know, I I make that distinction because a lot of the folks. Uh, internationally, they stay in Chicago proper downtown and they have meetings and all that down there. And they come out to the show maybe one day because they want to be in a vibrant city atmosphere. I, I will say from the first time I went to Rosemont in 2009 to what it looks like today, it is miles away from what it used to be as far, you know, there's a lot more entertainment options and dining mm -hmm. and, you know, it, it, it's, it's really, um, has a pulse and is thumping, uh, where it did not, you know, 15 years ago. Uh, and you know, I mean, I'm there to work and I'm there to see coins and, you know, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, yes, I love the city life and all that, I, just as much as I love the hiking in the woods in the country. But, you know, it, it works for me. It's fine. No, no complaints. But I, I make that distinction just because some folks definitely do, uh, you know, they do make that distinction. They are 
um, you know, they make the best of the situation and spend uh, their time in Chicago proper. We are going to be all over Chicago. I think, um, well, I don't know about you, but I have a couple uh, events later this week that are in the city, and um, we've been out exploring some of the great dining options. And, Amen. And that, yes. uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so so you know, the A and A is is the theme. I got to thinking. Do you know what year the first A and A convention was held? And to go along with that, where was the show held? So mm. it's, if you've been around in the hobby a decent amount of time, you may have actually attended the centennial show in mm. the last, in the last X number of years. I don't want to give anything away. Yeah. But so what you just did was tell me that it was more than a hundred years ago. Okay. Correct. You. <laughs> you want it easy. Yeah. So this is, uh, you know. Maybe maybe you'll get this. So, uh, ANA show. What year was the first show, and where was it held? And uh, you know, we will we will let you ponder that. Okay. All right. Just as long as you don't have to, I don't have to give the attendance. Maybe I'll have a chance. But uh, oh, okay. That, yeah, yeah, that, that's... <laughs> all eighty-seven. Yeah. Name name all eighty-seven attendees. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go back to the who's who of. Uh, Who's who of collectors and kind of get that put together there, but uh, Farron well, Zerby, uh, George yeah, Heath, hey no. now, yeah, George Heath for sure. But uh, <laughs> all right, so that's it. I mean, it's uh, we wanted to come out there with a uh, familiar uh, element that uh, many people have had. Once again, cannot express enough how much we appreciate the support that you've given us. And if you happen to be on the floor in uh, Rosemont, please stop by. Uh, odds are we'll be uh, hanging around there or in, uh, somewhere on the floor and uh, attending meetings, a lot of special events that are happening. So I uh, want to make sure that we make that connection once again, because it's because of your dedication and perseverance that allowed us this opportunity to get back behind the microphones and get back out there to enjoy this activity that we have. So we're going to be lining up guests. We're going to be finding those who can be helping you along your collecting journey. And we're going to continue to inform and educate because that's the purpose that we have here at the Coin World Podcast. But until that time, happy collecting. Thank you for listening to the Coin World Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next week. CoinWorld Plus is your new way to collect. Manage your inventory, digitally authenticate coins, create your want list, buy and sell coins, and much more. Learn more about CoinWorld Plus at CoinWorldPlus.com or download the app now at Google Play or the App Store.